Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today we are beginning our new series on the family, and I hope that you have come today with expectation, that you've come to meet with God, you've come to hear from Him, from His Word. I don't know what your situation is concerning your family, but I have good news for you. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, God is here to help you. God has wisdom for you. God has life for you. God has things for you to know that right now you don't know. He has things to show you and to reveal to you that will bring life and peace into your situation. You might ask how. It's not complete. We don't have the whole part. Hey, listen. He is the sum total of everything that we need. So whatever is missing, whatever is broken, whatever might not be there for you in your life. Let me just tell you something right now. God can and He will be that for you. So He is, because He is not just a, a number one on the list of priorities. No, He doesn't, we, you can't put God in a category like that. No, He's the center of our being. He's, the, he's everything. He's the, the source of our whole life. And everything concerning our family, our marriage, our children, um, our whole life comes out of, flows out of that central relationship with, with, yeah. that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then and only then can you be made whole even if your situation is not whole. Yeah. Woo! You know, you can be in a broken family, but you can be perfectly whole yourself. And so I want to I help you today to, to know that it's not just about having all the right parts in the right place. It's about letting God be wisdom for you where you are in your situation, letting Him be a help and a strength for you so that you can continue to have hope and look forward and understand that God loves your family more than you do. He loves your spouse. He loves your children. He loves your soon-to-be more than you do. And He has your best interest in mind, and He's on your side. So I want us to take our Bibles, and we're going to go to the book of Genesis because... We're going to be talking about the family over the next few weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, I don't know. We're just going to take our time because this is so important, you know, because as the family goes, so goes the city. As the city goes, so goes the state. As the state goes, so goes the country. As the country goes, so goes the nation and so on to the world. So it all is in the family. If we can get our families looking like God has designed them to look like and, and, and participating in His plan and purpose, oh boy, can the world be changed. All right? So... Um, that's why I want to take our time through this. And what I, let me just, well, first of all, I just wanted to give you this quote that has nothing to do with it at all, but I found it very funny. For decades, we had Johnny Cash, Bob Hope, and Steve Jobs. But now we have no cash, no hope, no jobs. God, please don't let Kevin Bacon die. That's the great Bill Murray. <laughs> you can say it in church as long as you say the great theologian, Bill Murray. Uh, okay, so I, I want to just kind of uh, set this up and give you a disclaimer. Is that okay if I give you a disclaimer? Um, because um, we're going to, you know, so we have stuff going on in our families, right? Well, at, at some measure, as I said earlier, whether that's good, bad, or that's ugly, God's not intimidated by it. And God has given you and I an advantage in this world um, that we need. We need this advantage in the world uh, that is according to His plan and purpose. I don't know about you, but I like having the advantage. Hmm? I was told the earlier service, that's why I like to arm wrestle my son. 
I know I'm going to win that deal. I like to have the advantage. And he, and he challenges me, and every time he does, it's a little bit tougher. He's a little tougher to take down. Now, he's taller than me, but I can still whip the dog out of him. And he knows that, so he knows that. I told him, I said, son, this is real cute that you're trying to, you know, that you're doing this. I said, but there's a thing called man strength that you have yet to learn. You've yet to know. But you, but you will. And there will be a day, there will be a day that he will take me down. I remember the day I took my dad down in arm wrestling, and next to Mary and Heather, it was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> but we want the advantage, and we need the advantage, and God has given you and I that. It's his wisdom and his grace to flow in. Uh, um, you know, I, I haven't figured everything out in life, but one thing I have figured out, the older I get, and maybe you find this to be true, the simpler God gets. Yeah. Really does. Amen. We walk by faith. Not by sight. God is good. The devil is bad. Hmm? Amen. The way of the wise is prosperous. The way of the foolish is destruction. Hmm? Those, just those simple ways to live by. Um, so what we're going to do is start at the beginning. And I'm... I'm like I said, I need to give you a disclaimer. I'm, I'm here to teach you what the Bible says. Is that okay if I don't, if I don't act like a politician up here? Because I'm not that. I, I, you know, I learned something about God. He's not a Republican or a Democrat. That didn't even matter to him. He's God. So I want to teach you what he has to say. I'm going to teach you from his word. And what we're going to find here, my family, is that what the Bible brings is not politically correct. And matter of fact, it flies in the face of that. And I'm not bringing this message to be offensive or, 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 or anything like that. I'm here to just bring you the truth. But the, sometimes the truth can be way up in your face if you've not got the right thinking in your mind. If you've bought into a world philosophy, then the Bible's going to be very offensive to you. It, it's going to bother you. And that can be a very good thing. That can be a very good thing for you if you will allow if you will allow yourself to be set on knowing what the truth is, to living by truth. You know, if we, when we take an honest look at life, that's when God, that's when we really invite him to come in. But if we only just stand to deliver our opinion and to defend our stance, well, then there's nothing that can really be accomplished there. All right? So I'm like you. I'm, a tr I'm seeking truth, too. I'm seeking truth. I want to know, and I've found that there has nothing been more true than his word. There's a scripture that says in Psalms chapter 33, verse 11, it says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. So, I mean, kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. Empires have risen and empires have fallen. And there have been those who have tried, magistrates and powers have been tried to bring down the word of God, had tried to silence the message for decades, centuries, and millennium. But guess what? They're all dead and the word keeps going. The gospel is still here. It is still being declared on the earth because God's word will not be denied because his counsel stands forever and his plans, the plans of his heart to all generations. I just want to remind you today that God has plans for this generation. God has plans for your generation. God has plans for the next generation. There is no forgotten generation in the sight of our Father. All right? And he has a plan for them. And he has a purpose. Amen. And so, and, and that, those, that plan and purpose is, is made up, yeah, uh, uh, is applying to people, and people are made up, are, 
of families. And there are, there are families that they represent, I should say. So I'm here to give you the truth. I'm, I'm going to present what the Word of God says. And, and, and a lot of it, you know, and you're going to find that it's going to fly in the face of popular opinion. And it's going to, it's not what you see on TV. And it's not what you have learned in school even. Um, it's the way it is. And so we're going to look at His Word because there is life in it. And there is peace in it. And there is joy. And there is renewal. And there is a continual hope. Wherever you've come to in your life today, I want to encourage you that there is hope for you. There is hope for your family. There's hope for your marriage. Grace and mercy. There's hope. Mm-hmm. Genesis 1.26. Let's read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Isn't it interesting that he says us and our? Most of the time when he refers to himself, it's me or he or I. But here he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let us make man in our image. So what this verse speaks to us is, a, is the plurality of God. God is... Now, let me say it like this, the plurality, but yet the Scripture also says He's one. So how do we even comprehend that? Well, it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equals one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present here, the three, and yet they are one. Just as you are made in His image, and therefore you are a tripart being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in your body. So at this very beginning of our existence as mankind, there they were, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says that God said, let them have dominion. Well, who's them? Who's them? That's us. Is it just man? No, man being made up of male and female, as in mankind. It doesn't just speak of a single man. Dominion, says, dominion the word dominion means, you might, if you're taking notes, you might write this down. It is the right and the power to govern and control. So look what God says. He says, let them have the right and the power to govern and to control. Well, God's in control. No, He's not. He's in control of what He decides to be in control over, and He's given you control of what He's given you control over. So the trouble that we see, why is God allowing all this stuff going on? God's not allowing it. You're allowing it. We're the ones that are allowing this. He called us to have dominion in the earth. Haven't we done a bang-up job? And how convenient for us to go, well, I don't know why God would do that. Hey, He didn't do it. Quit shirking the responsibility and passing the blame off on Him. Stand up. You're made in His image. Start to dominate. We can turn this thing around if we'll do it His way. But God's not just going to come in and, and violate His law where He puts you in charge. Contrary to my Calvinist friend's thinking. No. He's given us the authority. He's given you and I this charge to have dominion. He made you like Him. So He's saying, act like me in the earth. This is a marvelous thing. The problem is, a lot of times, we don't want that responsibility. I, mean, I would just love to say, Lord, you just do everything and I'll just, it's all your problem. It's all your fault. It's all your, you get all the glory. So uh, just whatever happens. It's all part of his plan. That's why we come up with stupid phrases. I'm so tired of these phrases. Everything happens for a reason. 
Everything happens for a reason. God must have had a reason. Really? Is this really how you're going to live your life? By chance and circumstance? And then put some kind of religious phrase on it? To spiritualize it? Or are you going to grow up and take responsibility? I, I, I'm talking to adults here, right? Is this, I, I was just making sure I was in adult church because if I was talking to kids, I wouldn't talk to them like this. But I think I'm talking to big people. Can we handle that? Are you guys mature enough to handle this today? I'm going to talk to you because I love you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to bring you down. I'm just telling you right now, God has a plan, and we stopped following the plan, and that's why hell came to earth. That's why there's destruction. That's why there's starvation. That's why there's violence. That's why there's war. That's why there are divorces. That's why people are dying early deaths. That's why there's this destructive stuff going on all the time is because we brought it on ourselves. But here's the cool thing. God, who saw us in our misery and saw that we were powerless to help ourselves, decided, I will help them. And so God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, you know what that that verse actually says? That God was in Christ, not imputing your trespasses, which means he's not counting your sins against you anymore. He got over it. Now, I don't know why the preachers and the prophets and these other people can't get over it. But God got over it. God got over it. God put his wrath on his son. Jesus took the full weight of it. He took, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So then now, how does God look at the world? What is he seeing here? He's seeing a reconciled world. But boy, I wish you'd come back down here and see what I'm seeing. Because I don't see much reconciliation going on here. Yeah, it's not known really in the world. It's known by faith through Jesus. And it helps us get God's perspective on life and on this world. And I think if the church could get the right message, this message that is on him, and teach the people of God to live in victory, to take dominion, to walk by faith, my family, it really wouldn't take that long to get a lot of things turned around. Because Jesus has done everything necessary for us to have the victory, to walk in triumph every day of our lives. Amen. All right. Thank you for taking that. But this gift that he gave us is still in operation today for you and I, the right and the power to govern and control. So from from the very beginning, God set laws for life in motion. You know, one one of those laws was that that everything produces after its own kind, right? If you plant apple seeds, what can you expect to grow? Right? Well, a tree first. Apples don't just pop out of the ground. If that happens, let me know. I'd like to come see that. A tree that produces that apple, right? So we know that the seed produces after its own kind. That's one of the laws that God set up from the very beginning. So that, um, and, then, and then there's also seed time and harvest, right? Seed time and harvest. There's seed, you sow seed, then there's some time, and then the harvest comes. So God had all of these things here. Everything here about the earth and its system and its laws were waiting on Adam and Eve to show up and put them in motion. Um, contrary to the, this world's thinking in many ways, uh, the world was made for us, not we for the world. All right? That, that way we never get caught up in worshiping the creation over the creator. Amen. Well, I could have had maybe two or three more amens there, but that's all right. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. All right, like I said, we're laying foundation. 
And I know some of this is, is, is elementary and, 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 and simple and foundational, but it's very key that we kind of recover some of these things uh, because we've, we're building something here. It's going to be so powerful. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If that's not true, then nothing that we believe is true. All right, it all falls apart, falls apart right there. If you don't believe that God was there in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. I don't know if you've ever read the creation story, but I remember the first time it dawned on me that the sun, the moon, and the stars did not show up until day four. And, and when you read the conclusion of each day, day one, day two, day three, the scripture says something like God divided the light from the darkness and he saw that that was good, was the evening and the morning was the first day. Well, well there's no sun to determine whether there was a day or night. When the sun go down, the moon would pop out and the stars. No, no, yeah, it, this is not what we think it is. God in the beginning, had to make some... There was, he was separating things before all of this stuff came into being, before these heavenly bodies were created, before the earth itself. There were things he had to put in place. As a matter of fact, he was separating order from chaos. He was separating light from dark, and God had to set the, the stage up, if you will, in order to bring into being what we see. And there was a time, apparently there was like three days of it, separating light from dark, order from chaos, and, and he was getting the earth ready for us to be here. And my family, part of our design is to separate order from chaos. Us who are made in his image to create order and to control chaos. Um, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female, he created them. So God created a species called man, two types, male and female. All right. So whatever God said to man... He said to male and female. We all got to get this and understand this. God blessed them. Who did he bless? Male and female. Whatever God blessed Adam with, he also blessed Eve with. Amen. They have equal ability to have dominion, the right and the power to govern and control. God blessed them, verse 28, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He's given us a responsibility for this earth. You weren't created, as I said, created for this world, but the world was created for you. You're the, you're the only creature that was made by God that has the ability to reason and to think and to choose. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. That, that, that makes you very unique. That puts you right at the top of the food chain. Yeah. And God not only gave us this right to have dominion, but He also gave us this right to choose. But how many of you know, along with that right, there comes a great responsibility? I think Spider-Man can teach you something about that. With great power comes great responsibility. So God created the family. It was his idea. This is his brainchild, if you will. He knows how the family operates. He knows how to be a husband. He knows how to be a wife. He, he knows how to raise your kids. He's given us a, a wonderful blueprint and a plan. It grieves me to see people off of that plan. You know, that's what's tough. And outside of his design and outside of his purpose. Because there's so much heartache in that. And misery and disappointment. Uh, which God never designed for you and I to experience. Um, he set up a plan for us. So I have a couple of questions. Just a couple of thought-provoking questions for you today. 
And, and I, I encourage you to just think about these. Take a, a personal inventory, you know, and, and, and look into your life and inspect it. Since we are made to create order and to control chaos, then we need to ask ourselves this question. Am I an agent of order or am I an agent for chaos? Are you using God's gift to create order or are you bringing chaos into your family? It's amazing how many people are agents of chaos in their own homes when the home should be a place of safety. The home should be a place of love and of building and, and, and a place where you ought to feel secure, and yet there's chaos. Um, you can't be an agent of order if you continue to justify your chaos. Well, yeah, I brought, yeah, okay, so I brought, I'm bringing chaos, but, but she did it first. Pastor, you don't know what, you should see what she did. Okay. And, and keep thinking like that, and keep justifying it, and keep living that same experience over and over. Some way or another, you're going to have to grow up. Some way or another, you're going to have to learn how to forgive and to stand up on your own feet and decide you're going to do it God's way. Decide that you're going to, you're, that you're done with the chaos. No matter, you can bring as many justifications about that as you want, but it's still chaos. Hey, guys, we learned that from our father, Adam, though. Right? They got busted in the garden. They sinned. They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. There they are, busted, caught red-handed. The serpent's even there. He didn't even time to slither away. God shows up. Adam, what'd you do? What'd Adam do? The woman that you gave me. First thing. First cop-out right there. The one, what did he, he started passing the buck. And now think about what he said. The woman that you gave me. So Adam not only blames Eve, but he blames God. You're the one who gave her to me. It's kind of interesting that he blames God, but in the New Testament, God only blames Adam for our sin. Where'd Eve go in this deal? She ate it first. Well, I don't have time to go into that, but there is a, there is a powerful truth to it that points to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll save that for another time. He didn't even mention Eve, so why is Adam responsible for this? By one man's sin, by one man's sin, death came to all. Because he was here first. And God told Adam to guard this garden. He told him. Look at this right quick. I'm almost through. Look at verse 15 of chapter 2 for a moment. This is God had, had formed man out of the dust of the ground. And, and he put him in this garden. It says, then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. The word keep means to guard it. Well, what does Adam have to guard against? He's in paradise, man. I mean, the guy ain't even wearing clothes. How comfortable can you get? Just walking around all day long, snipping branches here, grabbing a piece of fruit here, right? I mean, he's got the life. But God says you're going to have to tend it and guard it. Because what God is telling him in that is that there's a thief here in this garden, Adam, and he's crafty, and he's cunning, and he is here with the sole purpose to take away from you what I have given you. And to separate you and I in this communion, this relationship, so you have to be on the lookout for him. You have to be watching out. You have to stay on your guard because the thief is real and the thief is here. He's not your friend. But because he's here, you've got to guard it. Men, men of God, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I guarding my house? 
am I watching out for my house? Because there is a thief who's coming to steal from you, who's coming to bring destruction, where you have it in your power to build something. Not only are you an agent of order or chaos, but you have a call from God, God, God to guard your house. Amen. To guard your house. We have boundaries. The Lord has set up boundaries in this way. These boundaries are not here to dominate over you. They're not here. God is not a, a tyrant who's just power hungry. No, he's, he's giving you boundaries so that you can live life at its maximum potential. How many of you like sports here? Let's say especially football. Thank God it's almost here. Football season is just right around the corner. But you, you don't really think about why you love football, but one of the reasons you do is because of the rules. Because the game is made up of rules. There are rules of how to play the game. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be football if there wasn't no out of bounds. It wouldn't be any football if there weren't these certain rules that help govern the game and construct what it is. And, and once the athlete learns the rules of the game, well, now he can be the greatest athlete at this game, whatever that game may be, once he knows the boundaries. And when you know the boundaries, when you know how God has set this up, my family, you can live at its maximum potential. Your family can thrive, you and your wife and your marriage, raising your children up in the ways of God. All of these things can be realized in your life. Amen. Why is it? Why is it that the enemy, I don't know if you've noticed this about him, but he's always trying to minimize what God has given you. It's, it's been, it, was, it's in, it, it was his MO from the very beginning. See, he saw an opportunity. He saw an opportunity. He sees Adam and, and Eve, and he sees what's going on. He sees how they're kind of living their lives, and he's just waiting for an opportune time. And chapter 3 says he found it of Genesis. Well, how did the devil find an opportune time with these two? What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? Be fruitful and multiply. You know what that means? Have babies. Guys, you had a real good opportunity to shout amen right there, but because you actually don't have to have the baby. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, right? Fill the earth. What does that mean? Take this garden and expand it out. Fill the earth. What is it? Now, I have to just say, this, this part right here I'm going to give you is speculation. But I, sometimes you kind of have to read between the lines, if you will, to see what, what, what did the serpent see that he thought this is a good opportunity? This is a good opportunity to strike. This is a good opportunity right now. I see a door opened and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to get through that door. What did he see? Well, the Scripture doesn't tell us what that opportune time looked like, except it kind of does in a vague way. When God created these things, and he told Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Because that's going to kill you. That's my tree. You get all the other trees freely, but that tree is going to kill you if you eat it. And the day that you eat of it, you're surely going to die. And where is that tree? In location, in the garden. The Scripture says it's in the middle of the garden. Something's wrong because Adam and Eve are hanging around in the middle of the garden. They're just hanging around that tree. And the enemy sees a pattern going on. He sees that they're not really expanding. 
So he takes this moment. He takes this moment to say, hey, notice you've been checking out that tree. You know why you're checking out that tree? Because there's something in you that tells you God is keeping secrets from you. There's something in you that knows God's holding out on you. Really? God says, I get one tree, you get the rest of the world. God's holding out? The enemy's he does what he can to get you to minimize what God is doing, what he wants to do, and what he will do in your life. And get you focused on what's not right, what God hasn't done, what he won't do, and why he's failed you, and why this hasn't happened, and why he's disappointed you, when you've yet to look at, you've forgotten to look at the whole. He is a good God, and he is a generous God, and he has your best interest in mind. And so this is how it all started right here. They believed the devil. God's not holding out on you. He's given you His Spirit. The Scripture says you've not received the Spirit of the world, but you've received the Spirit who is from God, that you might know the things that have freely been given to you by God. God's not keeping secrets from you. He's revealing His secrets to you today. Amen. By His Spirit to show you what's freely yours. In that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. In that day, you'll eat of it. And you will surely die. And the literal text, in dying, literal text says, in dying you shall die, which is a double meaning. Adam and Eve, when they ate that fruit, they didn't physically drop dead after that happened. No, no, but something happened in the spirit. The candle went out on the inside. And when that happened, that happened, the result, the consequence of sin came rushing into their life. The darkness and all of its trouble came with it. Sickness and disease and, and death itself began to work on the inside of them. And now the lights are out on the inside of, Ken, of, of Adam and Eve. You know what's amazing, though? I don't think that, that their age was even being calculated up until this moment because God did not create man to die. So death came because Adam sinned. So if he had never sinned, he'd still be alive. He created them to live forever and to have communion with him forever. But when that happened, the, I, this is just my opinion again, the, I believe the clock started clicking, ticking on their life right there. And the Scripture still says that Adam lived to be 930 years old. <laughs> that's, that's old. 930 years old, that speaks highly of the grace of God, doesn't it? And the Scripture says that the, a thousand years is as one day to God, and one day is as a thousand years. But in God's day, Adam still died, didn't he? In the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. Lived to be 930. And so in that day of a thousand years, he died physically as well. There's a lot to look at here. There's a lot to discover here in God's plan and His purpose for our family. But I just want you to know, and I'll leave you with this thought. God said, after He created all that He'd done, every day, every, each day, He would end it by saying, this is good. This is good. And then He made man. And then He said, this is not good. Thank you, ladies, for holding your amens. Kind of makes me think of that woman who was out in the, the desert in Arizona. She's driving along, and she she's come, comes up on a woman standing there on the side of the road with her thumb out. So she said, oh, what is this lady doing? So she gets, as she gets up close to her and, and she stops the car, she realizes it's, it's a Native American woman. And so 
uh, she rolls down the window. She says, would you like a ride? She says, yes, please. Thank you. And so she gets in the car, and uh, she says, uh, at just small talk, you know, asking where she needs a ride to, and she tells her she needs to go down to the Navajo Reservation down here some certain miles. And so as they're, as they're riding along, um, the, the Navajo lady is looking down the floorboard, and she sees there's a package there. And, and uh, so the lady driving notices that she keeps looking at that. And she says, I notice that you're looking at that package. And she says, yes. She said, you know what's in it? And she says, no. She says, it's a bottle of wine. She says, oh. She says, yeah, I got it for my husband. The Navajo woman says, good trade. <laughs> So thank you for holding your amens there. It is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Now think about this for a moment. Every day God walked with Adam. Every day God walked with him and talked with him, communed with him. Don't you know that they had a powerful, close relationship? But as the days went on, God began to see something. He saw something, better yet, someone that Adam needed that he himself could not meet that need. So he said, I will help Adam. I will give Adam someone to help him like he's helping me. And that's what we'll get into next week. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Lord, for this time together. And thank you, God, for your wonderful grace and mercy. Thank you for this gift of life that you've given us and the gift of family. Lord, how powerful it is and how wonderful it is when, when families make this choice, even as Joshua and his family did when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh God, that we would grab a hold of that and that would become our mantra. That would become our cry as families, husbands and wives and children. We will serve the Lord. God has a way for us. God has made a way for us to have life and enjoy it to the full. And Father, whatever needs are here today, in the way of family, God, you know, you know their situation. You know, God. And I thank you that you have solutions. You have answers. You have help. You have grace. You have restoration. You have healing. You have blessing. And I pray, God, that you would minister those things. Lord, as, as we all here today, we take a, a, a fresh look in our own lives. And God, where we have brought chaos, we shut the door to that now. Lord, where we have been agents that have, that have brought disorder, where, that's brought trouble into our homes. Lord, we're here. Just want, want you. If that's you, if, it, if, if you've been the cause of trouble and you're willing to admit it today, why don't you just make a fresh commitment to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry for being a knucklehead. I'm sorry for being stubborn. I'm sorry for justifying my hurts and justifying the reasons why I continue to act the way I do. I know it's brought me nothing. I know it's not helped my life. It's only brought more misery. It's, it's brought more division in my family. It's, it's hurt my relationships. And so I'm just done being a baby about it. I'm, I'm done defending this. I'm done. I'm just done. I want to be an agent for order. I want to I want to let your love to flow through me. I want the life that you came to give me. I want your help. And I open my heart to you and I open my soul to you, open my mind to you, open everything, God.
come and help me now and strengthen me and give me wisdom. Let your love abound to me and through me today. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.